outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. Hello and welcome back to the 12 Days of a Christmas Carol Massive Attack podcast mini episodes specials specials anything else i need to throw in there no i'm joe and with me again tonight is mitch hello today tonight whatever and for the special today we've looked at another movie version of a christmas carol called a christmas, a christmas carol. carol the 1984 sex <laughs> george c scott starring as ebenezer scrooge mm-hmm. and this was quite a good version i would not have had this on my list As I said, um, I watched that little YouTube clip where they compared all the different movies. This one got a lot of nominations and a lot of mentions. So I thought, maybe you should check it out, because they seem to have got a lot of things right. Because I just saw George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge, and it just pulled me out for some reason, and he's American. It's like, I don't want to see this version, so I just didn't bother. But I'm glad I did. I'm I'm burying the lead. I'm glad I did. So I really liked it. I did like this. I kind of got a little bit taken out of it by the fact that it's meant to be a a period piece, but bits of it are just so 80s. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. But I I thought George did, on a first name basis, George C. Scott, but I thought George did quite a good screw. He got me in. Because visually, I looked at him, it's like, you're wrong. You're not, he's too stocky, he's too thick. Yeah. You know? And yeah, he doesn't have that sort of gaunt face with the No, because I guess the idea is he doesn't spend too much on food. You know, Ebenezer, he's he's, he's skinny. He's he's bony. He's yeah, like, but- because he wouldn't spend over... The, he wouldn't do gluttony because it's sort of like you only need enough to survive. You don't spend more than you need well, and that sort of stuff. Is it this version where he goes having the, the restaurant and mm-hmm. they offer him more bread? He asks like, for more bread. That's right. And they were going to charge him for it. A and goes, for more bread. Yeah, and he goes, oh, don't worry about it. You know, so he, where George C. Scott is a strong looking man, he's a powerful looking man. So, which sort of works for the character in a way, but not in the visual side of things. But yeah, so we all know the tropes, we've discussed those. So you've got him, he goes through the same routine, the money lent, people come in saying, Can you give us some money? And he goes, What about the poor houses? He doesn't want to give it. Bob Cratchit, he's, you know, having a go at him for not, for wanting more coal on the fire. Yep. He, all those sort of things are done. It sets up the tone well, the characters are all good. Bob Cratchit seems. He's timid enough, but loving enough, because you could easily get Bob Cratchit wrong. Like, you can make him just this pathetic human where yep. he's not, because the family love him. They look up to him as being this great guy. Now, you can't have the timid idiot being the great guy at home. You sort of got to, why is he doing it? Why is he putting up with this sort of thing? So it's a really hard balance. And this guy, I think, is really good. The more of these I've watched, I keep thinking to myself that if they did a a modern version of this, Martin Freeman would be a really good Bob Cratchit. Maybe by the end of this, we'll put an ultimate cast together. Yeah, maybe. I'm still not sure who my ultimate Scrooge would be. Idris Elba. He's the go-to guy for everything at the moment. Maybe. But, yeah, yeah, I keep thinking that Martin Freeman would be a really good Bob Cratchit. That works. A a few things they do slightly differently in this. The nephew, Freddy, has a last name in this. His his name's not Freddy Scrooge. His name's Freddy Hollywell. And we find out that his wife's name is Janet, which they don't have in any other version. So they seem to spend a bit more time doing other things. Because you could easily... I know this story so well... That it's just a bunch of set pieces or staves as when it was written he didn't have chapters a carol a Christmas carol is actually made up of staves yeah 
which is a chorus or the pieces. So he wrote this as, as five chapters. Five, yeah. And they're all very basic, and as long as you hit the marks, it's such a well-known story now, as long as you sort of hit certain bits of it, it moves on. And most movies have a three-act structure, where this has a technically a five-act structure, so it works quite well, and it's easily translatable. So they're doing really good. And they seem to explore a little bit more. They take a bit more time establishing character in this one. I, yeah, feel I thought that, that too. I, I felt that there was a lot of movie before Marley even turned up. Mm. But it worked. Because, like I said, I visually was taken aback by looking at George C. Scott as him going, he's not my Scrooge. So I really wouldn't have wanted to watch this if it didn't get such a good review. So I was like, all right. So, but it really built that character up as a grump. Like, he's, he's, he's nasty. Mm. He's a lot nastier than the other one, where the Alistair Sim version was... He was comedic in a weird way. He just was self-obsessed. He wasn't as... It wasn't, I don't know, from memory, it wasn't as nasty. Hmm. But so, yeah, George C. Scott's a bit of a prick. Yeah. He's, he's, to put he's it bluntly. A, yeah, he's, here he is. So we'll go through the tropes. We, he goes home, there's Jake and Marley hand on the door. Now, it's 1984, so we're talking special effects-wise... They're not bad. They're pretty good. Yeah, so special effects are okay. You know, it, it feels big. The movie felt big to me. You look at it now, some of the special effects look like TV movie sort of stuff. But yep. I think at the time, it was a fairly it's a fairly decent production, from what I could tell. Yeah. And I've I got to say, so far, out of all the movies, this is a great Jack and Marley. Yeah, I really enjoyed this Jack and Marley. Yeah, like this, the, the makeup he had on him and the way they filmed it, it was... And it was scary. Like, that's, this is what this movie can be. If You could film it as a comedy, which we'll talk about later. Yep. And we sort of, you know, we could do it as a kid's cartoon, as we saw yesterday. You could do this as a really scary movie. And this is the closest so far. Because Jacob Marley is quite haunting, for lack of a better term. Because he screams. Mm. And it's quite a, you know, it's subtle. They're talking. It's quiet. And then all of a sudden, he'll just burst out and cream. And it's kind of scary. And the music in this is quite good. Like, I was watching this. It's on YouTube. And I had the headphones in for a bit. And the sound in this movie is fantastic. I'll give it that. So I can recommend if you've got a really good sound system or do it with headphones. It's just, it adds to the effect. But yeah, Jack and Marley, he looked, he looked intimidating and scary. And his characterization was great. And it seemed, did he sort of go a bit more in depth in having a go? Yeah, I it's, think he did. Yeah. He, he really sort of hit home the idea that he was carrying the chains because yeah. of what he did and that Scrooge was worse than him and his yeah. chains would be worse. Your chains would be in my length the day I die. You've yeah. had another seven years on me. Yep. You, you are carrying this sort of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I really dug this scene and it really set it up going forward. <coughs> and I was really bought in. So that leads into The Ghost of Christmas Past. Now, as we said in episode one, it doesn't have a form, according to the book. It's a boy, it's a girl, it's old, it's young, it's a shape, it's a this, it's a that. So, it was Jiminy Cricket yesterday. He was a skeleton old man in the 1951 version. So, what do we get this time? Well, as Lisa I said, Ford? <laughs> <laughs> it is 1984, and we have a platinum blonde, teased up female ghost of Christmas past. Hair almost like, what are those little monkeys? Uh, trolls? No, no, no <laughs> monkeys, like actual primates, like... There's little gibbons and things like that with this golden hair. I know. Marmoset. That sounds good. Yeah. But it, it's 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 a mane almost of hair. It's very teased up. It's it looks like Tina Turner from Beyond Thunderdome. Or it's, the Goblin King, David yeah. Bowie. <laughs> it does have a, a a nineteen early eighties film clip look about it. Mm. The way it's filmed, she, they've sort of given her a gossamer glow around her and things like that. And that's fine because like 
in the book itself, it has no form. So your art direction has to take some liberties. And I think this one's a better one <coughs> than the old man. You know, the, the old man from 1951, it didn't make sense to me. He just looked like an angel. He had no presence about him. Where she does have definitely a presence, it does take you out of the film a little bit because it is such a 1984 look about a Victorian era. Yeah. movie everything else looks victorian they've done really well this is the one thing that sort of pulls you out so she does her job perfectly fine and he actually she does carry the snuffer that we talked about in episode one yep that t- and it's oh how would you say it was the size of you know two three foot tall maybe half a foot wide at the bottom it, it almost looks size. like a like a megaphone yeah like an old stool yeah. Like Cecil B. DeMille, mm. director's megaphone sort yeah. of thing. So she, she is carrying that from the start. So they've established that she's got that. Because in the plot of the original movie, the, the original story, he snuffs her out. Putting it over and snuffs mm. her out. So that wasn't done in re- previous pictures, is it? I can't remember it happening in A Christmas Carol. Like, oh, in A Christmas Carol. <laughs> I can't remember it happening in the Mickey Mouse. No, I don't cartoon. think it did in the Mickey Mouse one. No. So, what do we get? When they go visit, they go visit. They see his past. They see his sister. Now, they got a good actor. They got a, His father actually turns up in this version, too. Yeah, and they go more into the story that his father resents him because his mother died in childbirth, and his father doesn't want him, and that's why he's been shipped off to Yeah, the, so he gets taken school. out of school, which is happy. His sister goes, you're coming home with us, and then you actually see his father, which is played by George C. Scott, if not someone that looks like him. Hmm. And he's there saying, yep, enjoy, you're going home, you're going out in three days, why, I've got you a job. Yeah. You're going to become a bank clerk or something stupid out here. And the sister's like, I thought we'd have him home a bit longer. It's like, ah, he's had long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, a, he's... And it's the start of the, why he's a prick. They've really fleshed out... This is a much more fleshed out version than the others, and I suppose. So, interesting, I'm just having a read of the Wikipedia here, and yeah. this is the first time I've really thought of this. And the Wikipedia is like, well, how can Fran be his sister... If his mother died in childbirth and Fran's his younger sister. But obviously it's a half-sister. Oh, is it? I just took it as an older sister and didn't even think about it. Yeah, but apparently Fran is his younger sister. Okay. Which, yeah, throws another spanner in the works. But same sort of deal. We see him then whisked off to Fizzywigs where he's meeting his future love. What is she called in this one? Belle in this one. Yeah, I think same as the original. Yeah. And they, they do it really well in this one, I thought. The fact that... He's kind of... He, he's at the party having fun, but in his mind, he's already got that little twinkle that maybe he could still be working. And then Belle comes up and starts talking to him. And then we yeah. see it back in the dormitory where he's there with his fellow workers. And one of his workers sort of says something to him and he's all enamoured that this girl's actually spoken to him and he's daydreaming about Belle. Yeah. And then we cut further to the fact that he and Belle have now married or now engaged to be married, but then she breaks off the engagement. As per all the other stories. And I don't know, in the Alistair Sim one, did they show Belle with her kids? I don't think so. I don't remember. This, this might one. have been the first one where you actually see... And it is in the original story as yeah. well. But he gets a vision of her with a now husband and many kids. Yeah. It's like, this could have been your yeah. life. And it's sort of like, oh, but yeah, I made my choice. And he's still adamant to the ghost that... I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, there is a... It's breaking him down slowly, but it's there. So, you know, it's it's quite well done. And like I said, he snuffs her out at the end, like in the story, where he puts a snuffer over her and she disappears. And he wakes up, the bell's tolled too. And then we get... And I didn't pick it. You mentioned it. And so I was thinking, he's a really good ghost of Christmas present. Like, he has a good presence about him. Yeah. Like, he really has... They make him look tall. Like, he's meant to be a giant. And they made him look tall. And you said, oh, when, you know, Edward Woodward did this. It's like, what do you mean? It's like he was a ghost. It's like 
No wonder he was so yeah. good. Yeah, it was like he was fantastic. He had the exact same look. Like you could, he looked exactly the same as a guy from 1951 version. Yeah. So and that's that pretty much looks like the version that's in the templates of the books from original date, like the sketches that were in. Yeah. So he's in the big green robes. He's got the beard and he's all the food. Jolly. Yeah. And, and jovial. He doesn't take the shit. He no. really sort of has a go at him, you know. He, that, that's the character. Yeah, and I did not pick it as Edward Woodward. I was so I was surprised when you told me who it was. It was great because I was actually going to look it up and say who played him because he was fantastic. Now I know. Yeah. So you got your typical. You go visit the Cratchits and you see Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim does not look good. He is a sickly looking <laughs> child. You know, he's got the bags under the eyes. The lips are a bit dark. It's like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to make it to next Christmas. That's for sure. <laughs> he's not going to make it to the next scene. <laughs> no. No, they, they got a really sickly looking kid. As in, he looked scary. Yeah. Like, it was almost zombie sort of makeup. And, and as I said yesterday, they, they never really say what's wrong with Tiny no. Tim. No. It's Victorian England. It wouldn't take much. It was a tuberculosis. It wasn't coughing. But, yeah, he tuberculosis wouldn't give you a limp. So no. Maybe it's polio. Oh. Probably. Who knows? Who, but yeah, probably a bad tooth. It wouldn't take much to kill you back then, but yeah. So, so you get the Cratchits, you get that scene. That's all fine. The nephew, he was pretty good. He had some spunk about him. He hmm. was a nice, friendly character. And they kind of changed that up a little bit in this when they go to the nephew's house, where they're playing a game of similes and they're doing, uh, you know, as yeah, tight as a drum. Yeah, but instead of tight as a drum, she can't think of what it is, and she's like tight as your uncle Scrooge. Yeah. Oh well. I'm just looking at the IMDb. The guy who played Fred, yep. he was um, the evil guy from Princess Bro. Okay. He was the Sheriff Nottingham from um, Robin Hood many times. Mm. So, yeah, he's been in things. Like, I mean, There's a lot of people who I didn't reckon I'm looking at now going, oh, they're, they were in things. So they're not standout actors, but they were pretty good. Yeah. Sorry, I just took away from your argument. And Susanna York played Mrs. Cratchit. She was cute. <laughs> Cuddle, <laughs> Who is Susanna York? She was in Superman. Okay, she was um his mum on Krypton. Ah, yeah. But no, I I thought they did this quite well with the Ghost of Christmas Present. They really emphasised the ignorance and want the two kids under the robe in this one. Freaky, yeah. And they they were like scary looking street urchin kids. Yeah, it's sort of like, but and, and it, it did freak him out, and it's meant to. That's the thing, he goes... Because he's sort of challenging him. I mean, he's starting to see... He's being shown all these things by the ghost. And he's sort of, like, justifying himself to him. And he goes, this and that. Don't show me this. Why are you showing me this? And then he goes, oh, what about these two things? Under my cloak, there is two things. And he opens up, and there they are. And there are his two testicles. Little kids. No, <laughs> there is two little children. And he's there. He goes, like, don't show me that. Close it up. And he and this is sort of probably plying to the, to the original story. He goes, all right. And he closes his cloak, hides the children, and goes, they're still there. Yeah. You know, just because you can't just see them. And it's like, oh, that's really effective and really well done. And probably credit to Edward Woodward's performance. You know, yeah, with I, a lesser I thought, actor, I think maybe maybe it wouldn't work as well. I don't know, but... I thought Edward Woodward carried this movie. Like, George C. Scott was good, yeah. but Edward Woodward is the standout performance in this. Yeah, so... Uh, and maybe the other girl's hair, but... Yeah. <laughs> Tamarin. That's the monkey I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then we move on to the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Be. Now, again, now it's a cloak figure. But it's it's the bony fingers this time. Yep, and it's it's kind of effective this one. It's it, it feels like a nineteen eighties film clip again. Yeah, it's all, it's very theatrical. I suppose you'd call this. You could easily pull this off in a theater production. It's a lot of dry ice on the ground, and it's all perspective. And again, it's a character that doesn't talk. 
it just points with the bony fingers. And it's all up to George C. Scott. Uh, and he's he's doing his fair chop on the acting here because he's yelling, he's screaming, he's breaking... He is breaking down at this point. Like, when all the stuff's happening, we're seeing Tiny Tim, revelation that Tiny Tim's died. We're seeing his... his um, the revelation that it's people stealing his stuff. Yep. Selling his his stuff on his deathbed. There's people not going to his funeral. There's him finding that it's his... Tombstone, unkept and all this sort of stuff. And it it breaks him. So full credit to Mr. Scott for that performance. I'll give it to him on that one. But just looking at the IMDb here, the person, well, I don't know how how they did it with the special effect, but the person playing the ghost of Christmas yet to be, do you know what the profile picture of the actor is? Bib Fortuna from Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Yes. See, I actually go rewatch it now and look for the tentacles. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, I didn't think George C. Scott's performance of the waking up on Christmas Day and realising he's still alive and he can change was quite as good as Alastair Sim. Well... Although, when he kicked off his slipper, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, but, I mean, this is the thing, though. It's like, what, what's your trope, or what do you believe it should be? Like, because he wakes up, and he's like, he's got the rejuvenation. It's like, I, I can make a change. I can fix this. And that's what he wakes up doing. Now, is it a changed man? Does he become comedically crazy all of a sudden? Like, George C. Scott, I think, is consistent with the character that he's portrayed. Where Alice is him, he was quite comedic to start with, so he had a very over-the-top yeah. thing. So, I, this is where it's like, I don't know. I haven't read the source material to say is he over the top and silly or is it just that personality change because he is a grumpy dick throughout (laughs) most of the movie so just the fact that he cracked a smile is pretty big change for the character in that way I I don't know about you but I thought when he opened the window and yelled out to that little boy the little boy was a little bit lippy to him fair enough too you grumpy shit yelling (laughs) at you Christmas morning when you were on Nintendo 64 and someone gave you a Jaguar it's like yeah you'll be upset I don't know so far though I think We've only watched a couple, yep. but I, I don't know if I would say this is a better representation than the Alastair Sim one, but I think it was a more enjoyable movie. I, that's where I don't know. I, I, I think this is a more... It's a better adaptation Maybe. of it in that. Is it what's more fun? I don't know. I think I like this one more. I think the Elsa sounds more more fun because he's more fun. Where George C. Scott is not fun in this. You are dealing with a grumpy man, mm. an angry grumpy man. Where Elsa Sim, like I said, I had a vibe of Monty Python about him. Like he was a weird character, sort of fun, fun to watch, not fun to hang around with. Where George C. Scott is not a fun person to watch. No. So that's where I don't know yet. I think I enjoyed this one more as a film yeah, and as an I adaptation. So, so I think this is better. But if I was to sit down and watch a fun... I just want to sit down and watch A Christmas Carol. I don't know. Hmm. They're both good. But yeah, I don't know which one I would choose over these two. Definitely not a Mickey's Christmas. No. Yeah, yeah, nah. No. But yeah, but I really enjoyed this. Like I said, I wasn't going to be on my list for the longest time to watch because I just I thought I saw George C. Scott and I thought, well, it's American. It's not going to be right. And hmm. 1984, it's going to be shit. <laughs> like I wasn't sure if it was a theatrical release because it looked like I said it looked like a big film, but it didn't. I don't remember it coming out. No. Like if there's a big budget. We're not going to do it this time around. But there's the 1971 musical, which is one I grew up with, hmm. and I've seen that a lot. We're not dealing with it this time, but that was a big, big movie. Where well, this could have been a TV movie for all I know, but it seemed too expensive for it. Yeah, it, so definitely, sure. it definitely felt like a, a theatrical mm. movie. But yeah, so I just didn't want to touch this because I didn't really know about it. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this, but I'm so glad it's on the list because yeah, it was really, really good. Alrighty, well, tomorrow mm. we are going to look at an episode of The Simpsons because it's Christmas and it's a tradition. <laughs> but yes, tomorrow might be our first departure from the source, I think. <laughs> 
So, what, the yes. Simpsons aren't going to be tied to canon? No, probably oh. not. So, yes, that, that's a good place to leave episode day three. Yep. Thank you, Mitch. No worries. And we'll be back tomorrow with more. All right, see you later.